snowy March 13. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, it is gross. Yeah. Um, anyhow, um, go ahead and stand up, welcome each other, congratulate them on successfully navigating the roads and getting here. navigated snow and a time change so way to go we're impressed that you're all here um we're going to continue worshiping we've been in the series for lent talking about how god is enough for all of our needs and uh we're going to talk about his power this morning so we're going to sing burning in my soul about that power that god is 
saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And we're going to continue singing those praises to that mighty warrior who saves, our mighty God. And that would be the wrong song. So we're going to start with this one instead.
this point, we invite all the kids up through third grade to head over by Miss Lori. Thank you for this day. Thank you that everybody made it to church safely and that everybody had fun at nursery and all the places they're going and everybody have a safe drive home. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I already get, like, this is one of the greatest parts of my Sunday is I get artwork from our kids, and I already got some prior to us even being done. So I'm like, wow, this is impressive. So one of the best parts of being here is just getting to not only hang out with you, but getting to hang out with all of our kids, um, just sharing life with them. So uh, it's good to be with you again this morning. I'm Pastor Aaron. Uh, if we don't know each other, hi. If we do, hey, good to see you again. Uh, got a number of announcements for us. I want to first say thank you to everybody who spent some time this weekend uh, serving at Feed My Starving Children. I know we were here Friday night. I know some of you were here Saturday. I know Friday night we had like, um, they mentioned that 84 kids, this was at least from Friday night, 84 kids would be able to eat at least a meal a day for an entire year. Um, so what Feed My Starving Children does is, is make sure kids get food. And some of the stories that you hear, um, yeah, just are astounding. But uh, one of the things that they're doing, too, is getting food over to families uh, in Eastern Europe um, to help the Ukrainian refugees and all of the other families and those who are supporting all of those families and refugees. So great way, great thing to be a part of. Uh, this coming Friday uh, from 7 to 11, if you've been getting the handouts, You'll see there's another way that we can raise money to support starving kids. Um, Mika's Lunch down in the DR, been a part of that since its inception. Um, and so uh, you can come to the Park Theater, hang out there. Uh, I know some band members of this band, Reckless Davy, that kind of sometimes are up here, but going to be having a good time uh, out there. So I want to invite you to come support uh, Mika's Lunch. And again, uh, go to Feeding Kids. Um, continuing the, the line of food. I don't know what, what, what we have here at Watershed, but I guess food is what we're all about. Um, <laughs> no, next week we have our third Sunday. We've been doing third Sunday potlucks. Uh, so if that's something you're interested, just in sharing some community, getting to know people, um, spend some time together, invite you. If you want to bring a dish to pass, join us. If you don't have a dish to pass for some reason that morning, don't let that stop you from joining us. Uh, for a meal, for fellowship, and, and again, as always, feel free to stick around afterwards, talk. Uh, I know we clean this room up quick, but it uh, doesn't mean you can't hang out and chat. So, And then uh, 
Finally, next week, we also are having Drew Timmer come back. He joined us a couple weeks ago, uh, was part of the band, helped lead uh, that morning. Next week, he's going to take a little bit more leadership on. Uh, we've appreciated how he's interacted and worked with others, the heart that he brings. And so uh, if you have any feedback to uh, Aaron, my name, A-A-R-O-N, at heartalike.com. So any feedback still? Um, from last time that if you were here and want to send that to me or next week as well, if you want to give us feedback, we want to keep listening. Um, but uh, just to let you know, he's going to come back and we keep moving forward in the process for worship leader and someone to continue to join our team. So grateful for the team that we have, though. Amen. Um, phenomenal people uh, who've helped lead us in worship so and continue to. So uh, together, let's uh, go to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much uh, again for your love for us. What a mighty God you are. And, and Lord, we're going to hear that in the scriptures this morning about your power, your might. Lord, learning to trust your, your power and your might. And God, it, it's easier said than done sometimes. It's easier said than done when, Father, we continue to realize not only the crisis and war we see, between Russia and Ukraine, Lord, we, we know of the wars that happen in Africa, Lord, the genocides that have taken place there and continue to fly under the radar of what we see on the news. We see the ways, Lord, that others, that people dehumanize and degrade others. We see the way that people try to abuse the power that they've been entrusted, a power that's meant to care for others when it then gets turned and used to abuse others. God, it's hard when we see our power stripped away. Lord, we think about, God, this morning, the number of people in our community here at Heart Alike in, in the watershed who are, who are watching their power get taken away by cancer. God, we continue to lift up Helene and Sean, Phil, Pete, Dan, Jim, Wayne, Ginger, as they're dealing with the wonderings about it, the, the treatments of it, and the unknown future. God, continue to strengthen them and lift them up. Give them strength and power. Father, we need you. We need your hand. We need your sustaining life each and every day. So Lord, whether it is those in Ukraine, Lord, who need your support, your love, life, whether it's those in Russia who want no part of what they're having to deal with, whether it's those who are in power who make these decisions, whether it's those of us who are struggling and, and watching that power stripped away, God, may our eyes continually is fixed on you. Give us strength where we need strength. Give us hope where we need hope. And life where we need your life. God, and forgive us. Forgive us when we get so focused on grabbing on or holding on to our power. Forgive us when we abuse it. Forgive us when we think it's all on us and forget to rely on you. 
Lord, we know that we can ask for your forgiveness because you are a God full of grace and mercy. You are a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and mercy. So Lord, show us again as we dive into the scriptures. Thank you for the gift of of the Bible. Thank you for the gift of your story and what it can teach us. Teach our hearts, our minds, Lord, transform our lives for your sake and for your glory. God, we pray all these prayers, certainly and many more, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children said, Amen. Last week, we started uh, our, our Lent series. Lent is a season where we prepare for the cross, Jesus' death, and his resurrection. It's a season where we recognize our own mortality. We recognize our limitations. Why? So that we can beat ourselves up, so we can put ourselves down. No, it's so we can see how great God is. That's why we titled this series Enough, that we can actually see in God that he is more than enough. Last week, we talked about two big theological words. I'm going to remind you of them because it's like not our normal language, right? God is transcendent and imminent. Uh, right? Don't you feel like a heavenly light should shine down when you use words like that? I'm going to throw out some these and thous now, too. Right, transcendent, God is over all. He's not bound by anything. There's nothing that holds him, can constrain him. There's no power greater than him. He's transcendent. But God is also, at the same time, simultaneously imminent, decides to be within that which is created, decides to be in relationship to us, his people, decides to work within time and space. It's an amazing thing that God can be both of these things. And that's why he can be more than enough. Well, throughout this series, we're journeying through the book of Exodus. And Exodus is the story of the Israelites. Once they had gone down to Egypt, that was part of God's actual saving grace for them. There was famine in the land, and through Joseph, they were brought down there. They had a prominent position, but over time, over 400 years, they had then become enslaved, like we heard last week. God recognized that. He heard their cries, even though their cries didn't even go up to him. Their cries just went out. But because they were a people that God loved, he heard them and he sought to work for them. He sought to come and save them. And so he chose this person, Moses. And Moses' journey is an interesting one, certainly. It's one where he grew up in Pharaoh's court. He was a baby saved out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter, then grows up for 40 years in Pharaoh's family, only to then kill an Egyptian who was beaten up an Israelite, took power into his own hands, speaking of today, when we talk about power. But he took the power into his own hands and then goes off, hangs out with his, his father-in-law's in-laws, right? And his father-in-law is a priest of Midian, and he's shepherding the flocks. And Jesus, not Jesus, but God comes to him in a burning bush and calls him then to be the spokesperson, the person who would walk people out of Israel. Whew! caught up well here we are today we're going to jump some chapters we're we're going to jump into exodus 14 and in exodus 14 we're going to see the story of god's deliverance finally and fully it's a climactic moment of the israelites coming to the red sea how many of you ever seen like charlton heston right you know yeah or or prince of egypt anyone else cartoon right right we've seen we've heard these stories of the israelites crossing the red sea today we're going to hear that story 
But in order for this story to happen, there needs to be a lot of power. And that brings me to this question, who has the power? Or as I titled the message today, can you see who has the power? One of the things I recognized this morning is I have no power. You want to know how I know that? Look at all that white stuff outside. Right? (laughs) I have zero power. So if you ask me to pray for spring to come, see, this is what you get. So don't ask me to pray, okay? <laughs> right, we, we look around us, whether we're, we're starting a new job, whether we're uh, joining a new classroom with a friends, whether we're getting on a team or hanging out in the neighborhood, right? Something that helps us navigate life in space is recognizing who, who has power, who doesn't. Recognizing where I have power and where I don't. Well, today, what we're going to see is While that's all true, we serve a God who is almighty. As we sang earlier, a mighty God. We have a God who is above all power. And God is constantly trying to invite us to to help us see the unlimited ability that he has. And that this God is for us, who is for us, fights for us. That this God who is for us even will go to the powers of this world and try to bring them into line underneath his power. The question is, will we see it? Do we see it? Like I showed last week, this is just an overview uh, Pastor J.D. put together for us. But today, well, we're going to line up in, in Exodus 14. Is we're in the confrontation and the exodus part of the book of Exodus. So if you will, join with me. I'm going to start in Exodus 14, chapter 1. And I'm just going to read through. I'm going to take some pauses, highlight some things as we go throughout this chapter this morning. But let's hear God's word. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. They're to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Saphon. And Pharaoh said, will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion hemmed in by the desert. And I'll harden Pharaoh's heart. We'll get to that in a little while. I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and he'll pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did that. So God has just rescued the Israelites through ten plagues. The final plague being the, really the wiping out of the firstborn of the Egyptian families, firstborn males. This was all because God had said early on to Egypt, you have my firstborn and I want you to let my firstborn go. But what do we see in Pharaoh, the leader, this representative of the gods of Egypt, who I'm sure, listen, if you're the representative of gods, don't you think you're probably going to have a god complex yourself? Anyone? (laughs) Right? When I lift my right hand, my right arm, because all throughout Exodus, we hear a lot of arm lifting, hands raised. But when Pharaoh's arm gets lifted, that means what he says will be done. When Pharaoh's arm gets lifted, that's all the power, not only of Pharaoh and the government, but that's all the power of all the gods, (laughs) the hundreds of gods that they worship. This spokesperson, this guy, has all the power. And yet in the midst of all of this, God has wanted from the very beginning, not only his people to know who he is, but as we hear, 
just in these verses, who wants Egypt, he wants Pharaoh, he wants all the peoples of Egypt to know that he is God. Not all the statues, not all the combinations, if you've ever seen Egyptian, whether it's hieroglyphs or statues, I mean, the combinations of animals and peoples to symbolize their gods. But he's saying, listen, I'm the one actually who created you. As much as I love my people and have promised my people Israel that I'm with them, but I I actually love you too. You're my creation. He's wanted to get their attention. However, throughout the plagues, throughout this time, we see that Pharaoh, his heart is hardened, and God actually hardens his heart as well. So let's continue on, and we'll touch on that a little bit more. In verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. Pay attention to that. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services, right? Economic breakdown. When you have thousands of people as your indentured servants and they're no longer, we have, this hurts our economy. What have we done? So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, but then notice this, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with with officers over all of them. Now listen to this. Now the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses, you hear that? All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pahiroth, opposite Baal Shephat. So Pharaoh sees that his power is gone. He's watched the desecration of his world. He's, He's seen that he isn't the Almighty, right? He's seen that others who raise their hands... In, in, in light of another God, are more powerful than him. However, his heart is hardened. The first thing we saw was what? He hardened his heart. And all throughout the first five plagues, that's actually what we see in the scripture. Not that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but he hardened his heart. And God, as he talked to Moses back in Exodus 3 and 4, already knew because God has this ability, he is almighty, He is transcendent over and above all things. He knows the hearts and minds of all people. He knew what Pharaoh would do. But still, God gave him chances. Five amazing, life-altering kinds of chances in the plagues. And yet, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Again, after ten times, he sees his power gone. And what's he doing? He's fighting for his power. He hardens his heart. But then we also get... This, this phrase of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Well, first off, I want to say, if you want to read a little bit more about this, jump onto our sermon blog under this spiritual formation resource. I'm, wow, that, this, that feels like a really horrible commercial. We're going to pause for station identification. Hardalike.com, spiritual formation resources. Right? But, but go there, and there's a great article from the Bible Project on, on this further than where I can go this morning. But I'm saying this. God sees our hearts. God knows the decisions we make before we even make them. He knew Pharaoh was going to be stubborn. And so guess what? He wasn't going to let Pharaoh's stubbornness in. That he gave 
Pharaoh a chance because to him, Pharaoh wasn't a lost cause, but Pharaoh himself proved he was a lost cause in how he continued to make decisions. And so God didn't let his lost causeness be a lost cause for his glory. Wow, can you follow me in that? God doesn't let lost causes be lost causes for his cause. He was going to make a point one way or another. And there are some moments in our lives where we need that, don't we? A stark reminder that whether we like it or not, God's going to do his work. And he can do it with you, or he can do it in spite of you. But he's going to do it. See, Pharaoh couldn't see the power, could he? He kept grabbing for the power, and he couldn't see the one who had been forward, who was trying to get his attention, but his striving for power would not allow him. I wonder this morning where there's a little Pharaoh in us. Where in our struggle to maybe reclaim power, in our struggle to be in control of things, that we can't see what God is trying to do. What God is inviting in us, where we, we've lost hold of something, we're just trying to grab onto it so far, so hard that we're not seeing what God might be trying to do in us or around us, possibly through us. If I'm honest, there's some Pharaoh in me from time to time. Like we'll hear later, Moses, Moses this is going to be a great moment for Moses, but later on in the, in the wilderness, Moses has a Pharaoh moment where he takes his role a little bit more, you know, takes on a little more than what he should. Puts himself more in the position of Pharaoh than of the servant of God. Isn't there a Pharaoh in us? It's not the only people, though, involved, right? We have the, uh, the Israelites now. And it picks up in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. As we heard, I mean, it's the whole Egyptian army. And they were terrified. Amen. <laughs> right? The armies of the then known world, right, coming after you. They were terrified. They cried out to the Lord. This time they don't cry out to anybody other than God. They cried out to the Lord. But then they said this to Moses. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us up out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would be better, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. If I say this this morning, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Anybody? Right, how often have we made decisions based on that little Twitter remark, right? That little cliche. Oh, the devil I know is better than the devil I don't question for us this morning though is that trust and faith or is that just a logical conclusion so that we don't have to step into the unknown see the israelites are in that place this morning right there's israelites are in that place when all of a sudden they've got the armies of the world they had just by the way been rescued by god the same power that pharaoh couldn't see had rescued them and brought them out like they had blood shed on their door so they didn't lose their firstborn but now, only days later, they're struggling to translate what has happened into the future. 
into their next step. I wonder how common that is for us. I don't know about you, but I struggled to do that. I struggled to take what has been and seeing the, those opportunities, seeing God on display, seeing this God that's for me to re even remember that, that the circumstances, the situations, the moment so overwhelmed me that I can't translate what has been into this moment to move forward. Because let me give you another cliche. Sometimes it gets harder before it gets easier. Amen? And in this moment, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right? Between a sea and an army. Do they have every right to be scared? Absolutely. God doesn't tell them not to be afraid. He doesn't say, why are you, why are you afraid, dummy? Right? No. But they're complaining and they'd rather go back. They'd rather be slaves in Egypt. They'd rather dismiss all of that, that God who was their God, who loved them, who were bringing them out. They'd rather go back to that instead of stepping forward in trust in him. So at times, do I need to get some of the Pharaoh out of me? Absolutely. More times than not, though, I think I've got to get a little of the Egypt out. Right? Israel couldn't get Egypt out of them. The comforts they knew were better than the unknowns in front of them. And they struggled to translate what has been, what God has done, into what God will do. And I know I'm not alone in struggling along with them in that. Because what's been done is known. What's in front of us is unknown. And if I'm going to trust what's in front of me, I have to trust the one who says I hold all power in my hand, don't I? Can I see him beyond my circumstances? Well, that's been the journey of Moses. And here we hear Moses in verse 13. Moses answers the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. What? Move on? Yeah, raise your staff. But he invites Moses again to, to lift his hand into the impossible. Just like he's asking Israel to trust him in the impossible. He's asked Moses in the past to do. He's asking again Moses, lift your hand into the impossible. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Right? That, in, in, let me translate that for you another way. I, I'm going to make them so stubborn. Right? They've already proved they're not going to get it. So guess what? I'm, I'm just going to let them have it. I'm going to give way to their hearts, as Romans 1 would say. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Right? God's saying, I'm going I'm to do the impossible. Moses, I want you to lift your hand into the impossible. 
so that these waters spread and people can walk through. But at the same time, I'm going to show you that I'm going to do the impossible by, by wiping out the army that rules the world. Here we go. But Moses is invited to trust again, isn't he? See, that's our journey as well. Our, our life is filled with the next moment to trust. Moses has been on a journey like Israel to learn to translate what has been into what will be. But here we see a moment where he gets it. Not only is he invited to step into it, he does. He trusts God. Right? He trusts the words that we're all invited to hear. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I don't know about you, but I need to rest in that truth. That it's not my power that fights for me. It's, it's not a system that can fight for me. It's God who needs to fight for me. And God will fight through systems. God will fight through sometimes my energy and my strength. God will fight through things that are yet to be known. However, it's God's power that will fight. I need to be still. Being still is hard work, isn't it? We got to like let go of control. Let go of some of the Pharaoh in us. We've got to trust to take the next step, to lift our hands into the unknown, to trust the one who's able to do impossible things. It's hard work. The truth is the Lord will fight for us. And here's a story that goes on for generations. We hear again, listen to how God fights for his people. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's armies, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind. You know, studying this passage this week, I never noticed that little point. All my years, I've grown up with this story. I grew up in Sunday school, Christian school. I mean, I've heard this story so many times, I could almost tell it to you verbatim, but I, it's the first time I ever heard that the angel went from in front of them and the cloud went from in front of them and went behind them. God literally had their back. But God separated both armies from each other. Why? Because earlier in, in, in Exodus, God said, hey, by the way, if those armies went to battle, Israel will go back. Right? If there was a peace accord, Israel would have said, and we heard it earlier, let's go back to Egypt. Fine, we, we submit. But God goes, no, I'm protecting you from yourselves, and I'm protecting you from them. God goes around them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel, throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all the night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed, he jammed, God did this, right? He jammed the wheels of their chariots 
so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, listen to the Egyptians, they are actually going to acknowledge God for God's sake. Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. That's what God promised. Unfortunately for the Egyptians, it's a little too late. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them was drowned. They had sought to get their attention. They had hardened their hearts. Finally says, you know what, I'm going to give you over to the hardness of your heart. And I'm going to turn what seems to be a lost cause into my cause. I will get glory for my name. You will recognize me in this. Paul says in Philippians 2 that all knees will bow to God one way or another. One day. And acknowledge him as Savior. We see that. It's hard to see that sometimes. It's hard to see, why would God do this? judgment jesus would talk about this in mark 10 as as his disciples argue about the place of power (laughs) one wants to sit at the right one wants to sit at his left they want seats of power he says don't do that stuff guys that's the way of the world that doesn't work that way and you can't do what i'm about to do you can't take on my baptism see for jesus baptism is as much judgment on sin as it is freedom Because Jesus knew he would dip down into the waters. This story is remembered so much so that in the mind of Jesus, who was there to bring salvation to the Israelites as much as salvation to the world, he said he would actually go down into the sea. He would walk down into the rivers, the waters of judgment, take on God's judgment upon himself. Why? So that we could walk out the other end. It wouldn't be Moses who would lift up his right hand. It would be the Son of God, God himself, coming. We wouldn't just get a representative. We would get the presence of Yahweh, the Lord, with us, who would take on the judgment that we see that came upon Pharaoh, that we all deserve. He would take that judgment upon himself. Why, like Israel, so we could walk up. for us and we only suffer and we still a couple more verses we'll bring to an end verse 29 the israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and their and on their left the day that day the lord saved israel from the hands of the egyptians and israel saw the egyptians lying dead on the shore and when the israelites Get this, not only has Egypt seen now what God has done, but this brings full circle. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, put their trust in him, and in Moses his servant. Right, his people recognized him for who he was. The fear of the Lord. Again, another 
concept that we're like, well, but God is love and God is for, absolutely. But remember, God is transcendent. There is no God like our God. There is no power like his. There is no plan that can thwart his. There is no hard heart. <laughs> there is no lost cause to him and there's no lost cause. What I mean by that is God wants everyone to come back into relationship with him. But listen, if you don't want that, he's still going to use you for his glory. And you're still going to bend your knee. Should that make us a little afraid? Absolutely, we're talking about the God of the world here. And if it doesn't make you tremble, then you don't understand who God is. However, if God is one who makes our knees bow and says tremble in fear who is holier than can be holy is perfect in his beauty and his wonder who can do things that we can't even do is for you in your life and will do everything possible to bring you back to him the question is will we see it will we let him do his work like Pharaoh, will we, we say, you know what, maybe, maybe like, I'll put it this way, Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy for a year and still recognizes God at the end of it and was like, okay, now I don't know the extent of his faith beyond that, but at least he recognized, Pharaoh never recognizes it. Will we recognize the power? And then like the Israelites, like Moses, will we, in God's invitation, trust him? Live in the journey of letting what we've seen happen carry us forward into the next step, into the next days, into the future. Are we going to be perfect in it? No. That's why we needed a different representative. Moses could only do so much, and Jesus needed to do more. I know I need to be lifted. I need to be encouraged i need to be and that's why the community exists so we can encourage and spur each other on right so we can seek seek oh man i'm, I'm going to trust when you can't trust i'm going to be praying for you when you feel like you can't you know what we're going to we're going to lift each other up when in songs that we sing together and the praise that we prayer pray with one another we're we're going to be in this light we're going to when you're when you question when you doubt we're going to go okay so what's going on how can we bring you back how, how can we keep inviting each other back into the story? Because this story gets told time and time and time and time again. Not only through Israelites' history, but world history. To remind us that God, the God who is for us, can bring us through the most impossible of circumstances for our life if we're with him. If we be still and let him tell us his invitation to us today not only in christ but in god almighty el shaddai the powerful amen let's pray god thank you that you are all powerful and again as we prayed before the message god forgive us where we hold on to our own power we fight back for our power and we fight for I've got to do this. But so often you're inviting us to just stop, to trust. 
Lord, it doesn't mean we don't have to walk across the, the, the dry ground of the sea and, and, <laughs> and trust that those walls aren't going to come down on us. It doesn't mean, like Moses, we're not going to have to lift our hand into the impossible. But none of that's about your power. Right? God, none of, the, none of that's about your power in the way of, of going, Lord, that, that this is something that is impossible for you, if you put it that way. God, we got to trust that it's, it's you who does it. You, you who can make that happen. You who can do the impossible. You who can do even the most possible. Help us to trust you. Father, as, as Israelites struggled to translate, help us to translate what we see into a faith that leans on you. Like Moses, help us to be in that journey of, of trust, reliance. God, and may we recognize you. Lord, thank you that, Jesus, you have gone down into the waters of judgment for us. You've taken on the judgment, the pain, the the mistakes, the missteps, the abuses of power. You've taken all that upon yourself so that we could go free. I thank you for that gift. And again, Lord, in all of these things, may we acknowledge you for who you are. Trust that the one that maybe makes our knees bow, that we fear, is for us and not against us. Again, Lord, thank you for this truth for your scriptures, and for your love in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to um, finish the service with a song talking about how God is for us and nothing can stand against that might and that power. We invite you to stand as we sing.
Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, amen. Go in peace.